Hello, and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who, I remembered this week. <laughs> uh, my name is David, and as always, I am joined by the Orbital Matt. Hello there. Hello. So, um, it's uh, Rings of Akaten this week. You were yeah. right, obviously. It's a... Well, is it future? It's not clear. I don't Could know. Be past. You know what I it's mean. It's just one of those off-world adventures. It is extremely off-world. Um, boy, there are just a bunch of aliens in this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I imagine when we get there, I was going to ask, are these, or are there references to past Doctor Who aliens? Mm. And I There's assume, a few different I assume references there is. There. Yeah. Um, but before we get there, I just want to touch back on something that started last week in our recording. And yes. has been with me through the week. Uh, okay, then. Okay, so last week we obviously touched upon the idea that Clara is a better companion than Sarah Jane and Ace. Yes. And then we touched upon the idea that the worst episode of New Doctor Who is better than the best episode of Old Doctor Who. Yes, this is certainly something you did claim on our Twitter account, which I, I, I really... I, I, I want to disassociate myself so much. Well, from... I, I thought I'm going to continue that through the week just to yeah. see where the line is and whether I can cross it or not yeah. in terms of triggering a reaction from the Doctor Who community. Uh-huh. So from there, I sort of took a left turn. Yeah. And I just put, style is Taylor Swift's greatest song. If you disagree, you're the worst type of Doctor Who fan. Mm. If I knew anything about Taylor Swift, I could I could offer an opinion on, on but that's I don't know if that's a controversial opinion or not. Uh, it's not. I, I just got a lot of well, I got a couple of responses saying, "Yeah, you're right there, Matt. Well done." <laughs> so <laughs> well, then, then I thought I'd go hard and yeah. stated the Doctor should replace the boring old police box design of the TARDIS with something cool like a motorbike with flames painted up the side. If you disagree, you're the worst type of Doctor Who fan. Yeah, I do think it's one of those things that, like, um, when, when during the wilderness years where there were all kinds of people talking about ways in which Doctor Who could be revived, one of the things which would occasionally get discussed is, like, oh, do we ditch the, the old police box look? Do we give him, like, a cool car? Because, yeah. like, you've got to think, like, Knight Rider and stuff was bigger at the time. Well, uh, I stuck in that vein with changing something about the show. Yeah. So I put Doctor Who could be improved by replacing that tired, tired old, worn-out theme tune with something mm-hmm. more upbeat. I'm suggesting Mambo Number no. Five by Lou Bega. Hmm. I'm trying. I'm trying to picture that now. You don't know it Mambo Number no. Five. Terrible. Oh, I know it. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to picture it with like a swirling time vortex title sequence. Yeah. It'd be brilliant. Now, the next yeah. one is probably the one I'm most proud of. Okay. It just says, if you like Doctor Who, you are the worst type of Doctor Who fan. <laughs> uh, I thought that one yes. would really take off, but it didn't. So then, yeah. I, again, I thought I'd go controversial. And mm-hmm. I just put, Spock is my favourite Doctor Who character. If you disagree, <laughs> you're the worst type of Doctor Who fan. I'm trying to think because um, I haven't read it. There is a crossover comic uh, with Next Generation. 
Oh wow! Um, it's it's Borg and Cybermen, and it's the Doctor and and obviously Jean Luc Picard and I think the rest of the crew of the Enterprise are there. Yeah. I'm imagining I bet there's that's no actually pretty in good. It sounds all right, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to give it a go one day. Now the next few are probably quite late at night, and it was where I was losing momentum. I feel. Uh huh. So I just put this is a little known fact. Doctor Who is based on a lesser-known Aesop's fable, where a bear tells a dolphin his mother's recipe for macaroni cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's some late-night tweeting, if ever I heard. Yeah, well, following on from that, I put, Doctor Who could be improved by replacing his human companions with an animated kangaroo. Not an anthropomorphised mm-hmm. kangaroo, but a wild beast that's actually a real burden to the Doctor. <laughs> I don't know, K9 wasn't a million miles away from that. Yeah. And then this one was where I was, again, losing a bit of steam. So I just put, mm. if you listen to or produce a Doctor Who podcast, you're the worst type of Doctor Who fan. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, especially the fucking dorks that listen to this. <laughs> and then this Bless one... Bless you, I love you all. <laughs> I thought I'd take a little bit of a swipe here. So yeah. I went, Doctor Who is sci-fi for people who lack the ability to enjoy good sci-fi. Now, that is a little dig, but then when I'm talking about good sci-fi, I listed some really poor examples. Okay, go on then. I'm interested okay. to know what you consider poor examples of sci-fi. Farscape? Uh, I enjoyed the first season. I've been meaning to go back to it one day. Babylon 5? It's on my to-do list. Never never watched it, but I'm intrigued to see it. The movie Gattaca? What? That's... Th- Gattaca. That's not bad sci-fi. is not that good. It's it's solid. It is solid. And then I went Star Trek Enterprise, because I believe that's considered like the weakest of the Star Treks. I think it's been having a little bit of a critical reassessment, possibly you know in what? the wake of... I'm going to put my neck on the line. The yeah. theme tune is unbelievable. I, I, rem- uh, I It's the one it's that's... The one where it's uh, like... I've got faith. Yeah. Of the heart, going where the heart. It's sung by Russell the Voice Watson. Yeah, it's not Star Trek. It starts. You can't. I'm I'm sorry. It's definitely. I think that that is very poorly judged. Like, good song or not, that's you know, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder or the ear in this case. Fine, whatever. But a song like that has no place at the start of a Star Trek. Uh, episode and then for the last one i've just put this is the greatest doctor who moment of all time it's a picture of malcolm reynolds from firefly with the quote live long and prosper which is attributed to han solo (laughs) Uh... towards the end of the week it was mainly replies from our listeners just taking the mick out of me because i hadn't got the response i wanted (laughs) <laughs> yeah i think you i think it it's it it quickly became evident what you were attempting yeah i was just it? looking for a fight because as soon as anybody yeah. had like gone oh I, I disagree blah 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 i would have sent them just probably a picture of a man holding a fish because i'd reeled <laughs> them into the boat <laughs> but whilst we're on topic that sort of leads me into my next point because I, I did go yes. on another little adventure this week oh yeah so whilst on Twitter um, I've started following Arthur Darville because I love mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and he 
posted a picture where I think he'd been trying to watch Doctor Who, I think on Netflix or Amazon uh-huh. Prime. It must have been Amazon Prime, actually. Um, yeah. You know, if they're listening, they can sponsor us, give us some money. Sure. Um, they're, they're not listening. They're definitely nah, not. Nah, Bezos listens to everything. <laughs> Bezos wants us in time? our back pocket. He wants, he wants to give us money. Hmm. Have you ever seen Jeff Bezos? He's such a weird man. Yeah, no, he is. He's In interviews, I've seen him where he's just like, yeah, we're working on like delivery systems. And then he just laughs. Yeah. And his laugh is maniacal. Yeah, it's, it's, there, is, there is a really sort of Bond supervillain vibe <laughs> yeah. to him. He's got a dark secret. Yeah. But anyway, Arthur Darville was tweeting that he was trying to watch Doctor Who and it... When he typed that into Amazon Prime, it came up with another show named Doctor Pooh. Mm-hmm. It's an easy pun, isn't it? It is an easy pun. I I don't think it's original particularly. Well, it's not, so. actually, because I actually ventured into and found three different media called <laughs> Doctor Pooh. And I've investigated all of them. Okay. Okay? So the first of which, I don't want to talk about too much. Right. So I think it's an Australian radio show named okay. Dr. Pooh, where his enemy is a character called Dr. Wee, obviously. Mm. But that's, the problem is, Dr. Wee is an Asian character, and I'm quite fearful it might be riddled with uh, stereotypes. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. When was this? Uh... I, uh I, I hope you. I hope you're going to say like sixties, but I bet it's not. Uh, well, I'm on Wikipedia now. I bet it's like now. the ni- mid nineties or something. No, I think it was eighties, um, which ran from 1979 to 1981. Yeah. All right then. Yeah. I mean, not good, but I. I would say, if I. 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 I kind of. I'm more accepting of that kind of lazy casual racism pre nineties because I feel like there are enough there was enough ignorance out there that like it was just commonplace. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just yeah. like if it gets if you get into the sort of like early nineties and you're still relying on those kind of old yeah. tropes, it's just like what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, the second. Is from popular magazine Viz. Yeah. And it's actually an animated short. And mm-hmm. I think it's called something like Dr. Pooh looking for the time and space to have a shit. Right. And, and that tells you everything you need to know. It's basically Dr. Who. Um, I can't remember which version. I don't want to say mm-hmm. Colin Baker. It's the other one. But Tom Baker? Uh, yes, you, um, I mean Tom Baker is like the default for, yeah, for that's like the classic one. Who. I don't know who Colin Baker is. Did I just make him up? No, he's the sixth Doctor. Oh, so there's two Bakers. There's two Bakers. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it's pretty much him just sat in a portaloo whilst Daleks and Cybermen and other things attack him. Yeah. Whilst he's I just... having a poo, mm. I think it ends with him soiling himself. I feel like Viz never works when they do animated things. Like, no. I, I'm quite fond of bits of Viz. Like, it's very hit and miss. Like, mm-hmm. very hit and miss. But when it, 
when it works, it can like I've been in agony laughing at, at Viz Strip sometimes, but uh, yeah, this doesn't sound like their finest hour. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, and sadly, that's probably the best of the three. Now, the third really? is the big oh one. God. This is the one that Arthur Darville himself the one, the one may that have watched. On Prime. Yeah. Um, so it's just called Doctor Pooh, and uh-huh. it's like a fan show. It's got like three series on Doctor on Amazon Prime. Sorry, uh-huh. each episode's about five to ten minutes, uh-huh. and. It, it is possibly the worst Doctor Who related thing I've ever seen. So is it like animation? No, it's just people running around pretending to be Doctor Who but really badly with really mm. bad jokes. Right. Okay, so for example, if you were making a parody, a rude parody of Doctor Who. Uh-huh. Okay. And the bad guys are the weeping angels. Yeah. What witty pun would you use for the Weeping Angels? Well, if we're going scatological, presumably the Weeing Angels? See, it's probably a better one. They're just the Weeping Hemorrhoids. (laughs) Okay. It's worth noting as well that this opens with... Even though it's Doctor Who, it opens with the Star Wars crawl. So it starts by saying, a long time ago in a toilet far away. Uh-huh. And then it just has yeah. the scrolling text. Okay? Mm. I love it when when uh, parodies just conflate all sci-fi into one thing. Yeah. I love that. So if you were making a, a <laughs> vulgar pun on the TARDIS, what would you call it? Presumably the TARDIS. No, the FARTIS. It's not as good, is it? How am I doing better than them at this? Yeah. Plus, and I'm in, not even trying. In this, the TARDIS isn't a police box, it's a portaloo. Right, of course it is. Yeah. Okay. So, he's got two sidekicks. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, I don't think this is a pun on any of the Doctor's companions. Right. But one of them is just called Sidekick. Uh-huh. So, like, they obviously couldn't think of yeah. a name. And the other one's just called Fanny. Yeah, which no, is obviously the American word for bum. It means something quite different in Britain. Mm. So is this a, is this American produced? Though? I think so. It certainly looks it. Mm. Okay, if you had to do a pun on the sonic screwdriver, ah, oh, you see now that's a tricky one. Uh, I mean, I guess the sonic poo driver. If we're just doing poo again, things. they've just called it the smelly screwdriver. Uh, what? Uh, look, can I can I just check? The people who made this, are they 12 years old? No, there's like full-grown adults in it, because unfortunately <laughs> this is where my notes descend into chaos. Right, okay. It's mainly really criticising the character of Sidekick. He's just awful. He's right. just He's just the worst. Uh, they fight against the weeping hemorrhoids, but they're never actually seen on screen, so it's just uh-huh. men rolling around on the floor shouting... Right. Um, then I've just written, I could do better than this. That is not a joke. A pox on anyone involved in making this. I've had more enjoyable car accidents. So mm. that tells you everything you need to know about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for, a, a, a well-made fan parody can be a fun thing, and I and, and I fully yeah, encourage and... people to, to to have a crack at that sort of stuff. Two things baffle with me this, with this though. One, it's obviously incredibly poor. Um, and, and, and like late, just 
they it like they have literally made no effort. Yeah, the barest uh, that's, that's what annoyed me most for because, the thing to exist. You know, we've had conversations in the past where if I've been reading around an episode and it says there's a fan film, I can't remember the mm-hmm. last one we looked at, and I yeah. said, "Oh, we should watch this." And you know, we've maybe earmarked a couple because they actually look quite good. Whereas this is like insultingly bad. Yeah. And I know I joke when we watch Doctor Who, it wastes my time. But I was, oh, I could have crushed a grape. I was so angry. <laughs> you know, the other, the other thing that really baffles me about this, if it was on YouTube, I could understand that. Yeah. But Amazon Prime. But how has it ended up? Presumably you have to like pay money to have your content uploaded onto Amazon Prime. Like, Amazon there are, Prime there are is filters a filters in though. place. Surely? It's an absolute mess, Amazon really? Prime. If is you, it like YouTube? Can anyone upload anything for I free? I think so. Because if you watch a film, the suggested videos will be like 10 different fan documentaries about the film you've just watched. Oh, dear. You know, yeah. it's. I think Netflix, for all its faults, has a better control of the quality of thing mm. that goes on there. You yeah. Know, you know, there's a lot of There is some shows. editorial process going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I am upset with the idea of Dr. Pooh. Let's never talk yeah. of it again. Yes, very good plan. Very good plan. I mean, we've got, we've got an, an interesting episode to discuss this week, I think, um, yeah. for a few reasons. Um, so... Yeah, the, the, the Rings of Akaten. Do you want to get us started on that? Yep. So, this is episode 8 of season 7, or whatever. Or, that just doesn't or matter. episode anymore. 7, depending whether or not you count the Christmas special, which some people do and some people don't. Yeah. And yes. it's from the 6th of April, 2013. Uh-huh. And it's written by Neil Cross, which yes. is what my nan used to say to me when we went to church. <laughs> uh, do you know job. much about Neil Cross? Uh, no, not a thing. Okay, so this is first time writing for Doctor Who. Um, he is best known as the showrunner of Luther. Oh, really? Yeah, which is obviously an incredibly successful program that I've never seen. <laughs> um, I, I haven't followed it avidly, but what I've seen, I've enjoyed. Yeah, it's been always been sort of like somewhere in the middle of my to-do list. Mm. You know what I mean? Those kind of shows where you're just like, oh, I'll get round to that one day. I will get round to that. And then it, something more exciting jumps ahead of the queue. It's one of those shows where everyone speaks very highly of it. Yeah. But when it comes to like television and films, there's very few people whose opinion I trust 100%. Yeah. And none of them have recommended it to me. And that's maybe but why... Is that- is that just because nobody you know has actually watched it? No, because it's so popular. Like, I know people that have watched it, but that's also yeah. the sort of people that would recommend, I don't know, like Doctor Who and crap like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so this is first time writing for the show. Well, I mean, I say that. Technically, this is the second episode of Doctor Who he's written. His first episode will actually come a little bit later in this series. Ah, okay. Uh, and they were so pleased with that that he was like, oh, can I do another one? And so this, yeah, even though the way it's sequenced, it's first, it's, it's his second script for the show. Okay. Um, it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, so as we said, it's a, it's a spacey, futury sort of a one. 
What what do you make of this episode? Um, before we, we haven't done what, it in a while, would yeah. you say good episode, bad episode, good with bad bits, bad with good bits? Okay, I will I will answer that. But before I t- tell you what I personally think of it, I think this is a re- this episode has become a really interesting litmus test for the type of Doctor Who fan you are. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk in very broad strokes here. But my perception has been within the fandom that the older fans, the ones who liked the classic series, grew up with that and have embraced the modern series, but will have a good whinge about it every now and then. Mm -hmm. They generally detest this episode Mm -hmm. or at least have very few positive things to say about it. Whereas... A lot of the generation of fans who came on board with Eccleston, Tennant or Smith rave about this episode and certain aspects of it, particularly Matt Smith's speech at the end, Mm -hmm. have become iconic moments and much beloved uh, moments within that sort of younger part of the fandom. Mm -hmm. So... Me being an awkward person, you know, a sort of someone who grew up in the wilderness years where there was no Doctor Who and I have pretty much equal love for classic and modern, but I have no... I don't have nostalgia for Doctor Who. It was never really a major part of my childhood. Yeah. So I sit sort of in the middle between those camps and as a result, I would say good episode, bad bits, you know. Is, See, I, I think it has elements that I, I enjoy. Overall, I come away from it pretty satisfied, but it's certainly not without its flaws. I, I'm i going to go the opposite. I'm going to go bad episode, good bits. Right, okay. Because if you had asked me, and I've even written the time down, okay. if you had asked me at 35 minutes and 30 <laughs> seconds what yeah. I thought of this episode, I would say it's possibly the most boring episode we've ever watched. Uh-huh. However, the final 10 minutes and 12 seconds really save it. Yeah, it really brings it home, doesn't and, it? And in fact, so. I think that's some of the best we've seen, well, since Rory and Amy left. It's mm. probably the standout moment of this little run with Clara so far. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, it's it's certainly a mixed bag. But I think there are, there are elements that I like earlier in the episode as well, which we'll, we'll sort of touch on I as mean, we go. So. The, the thing is... If I'm being really critical, if we go back to last episode, I still don't really feel like I know much about Clara, even though we get quite a lot of her backstory here. Yes, yeah. Um, I think that's partly intentional. I mean, at the end of the day, at this point, she's the Doctor is basically treating her as a puzzle. Mm. Well, that's it. I'm, I'm probably willing to give her more time than I would other companions because I feel yeah. my frustration is intentional, if you know what I mean. Yes, I feel yeah. like the I Doctor's think... almost sharing the frustration yeah. with me. I do think that that's the case, and, I, and obviously I don't want to spoil anything for you, but what I will say is I do think I, I, you do need to have some patience with mm. Clara as a character. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, but anyway, yeah, let's get stuck into it, shall we? Right, so, it's 1981, and it's really windy. Yeah. And the Doctor's reading the Beano. Yes, uh, a Beano summer special. Yeah. 
one of one of my uncles used to have like all the really old Beano annuals. Uh-huh. I used to really quite like it. Who's your favourite Beano character? I actually, confession time, I used to collect Beano annuals. And oh, I yeah. also had a run of every Beano annual from 1962 to the present day. Mm-hmm. Um, that was basically what I put all of my time and money and effort into as a child. Um, so it's really actually hard for me to... Am I allowed to say a strip rather than an individual character? You can. <clears throat> uh, Bash Street Kids. Really? Yeah, love the Bash Street Kids. See, I always, not... I always felt that uh, Dennis the Menace was a little overrated, so I preferred Roger the Dodger. Yes, I, I 100% agree with you. Roger the Dodger would be a, a, a second or third, maybe, for me. Mm. Uh, oh, you know what, actually? No, I, I can't believe I blanked on it. Um, scratch that. Calamity James. Oh, yeah. James was my favourite. Bash Street Kid second, Roger the Dodger third. There you go. That's my definitive Beano ranking. Was Billy the Wiz? Billy Wiz, yeah. yeah. He was rubbish. Who who was your least favourite? Oh. Um, who was my least favourite? I think mine might be the Numbskulls. They were really like crudely drawn and a little bit scary I, for children. I like the Numbskulls and I like that artist because it's actually, I th- I'm pretty sure it's the same artist who did Calamity James and I, I like his style, which is sort of a little bit weirder and more absurd. Um, that kind of, that's a vibe I always enjoy. Um, Okay, I could I could tell you my least favorites, but the thing is, they're such deep cuts because they're often like ones that really didn't catch on. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, in the mid nineties, you maybe probably didn't read the Beano regularly enough to to encounter this, but they introduced a baby sister for for Dennis the Menace. Okay, called B, who was absolutely rubbish, and they gave her her own spin off, like half page strip, mm-hmm. and it was terrible. It was there was just nothing good about it. It was like B was like the Poochie. Oh really? The menace. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. I'm just quickly googling her to see what she looks like. I don't recognise her at all. Yeah. Oh well. Let's just agree the worst one's the dandy. The dandy can go fuck itself. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Corky the cat. Who gives a shit? Yeah. About Corky um, the if we've got any cats. listeners in America that the statistics seem to suggest we do, they're just going to be like, <laughs> what the hell? What is going on here? What the hell? <laughs> and I haven't even gotten onto some of the more obscure stuff like Buster, Wizard and Chips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is know? it? Oh, Willie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Bruins. <laughs> what about Andy anyway. Cap? I, I st- not for me. No. So. There's a man walking down the street. Let's get back to the episode. Yes. And a leaf hits him in the face. Yeah. And I've just put a big red star and written, this is something to do with Clara. Yes, because obviously you recall the the, the leaf pressed in her book from last Mm -hmm. week. So the car driving down the road almost hits him, but he's saved by a girl. Mm -hmm. And they fall in love. And it's pretty much the opening of Up here, isn't it? We see their entire life growing together, and yeah, yeah, but but with added creepiness from the doctor, basically. Yeah, I, I've added to my notes. He's a bit voyeuristic here, and I'm not sure yeah. I like it. Yeah, I think I think we are meant to be a little bit creeped out by it. I mean, I certainly am. So it turns out that they are Clara's parents because mm-hmm. they have her book, 
the 101 places to visit book. Yes. And then I, I was a little bit confused by this because we see them with young Clara. Mm-hmm. And then we see that Clara's mum dies. And Clara's yes. stood at the grave. And is yes. the person with her the same actor that plays her dad? I think so. Because he looks about the same age. Yeah, I think they've like popped a bit of grey in his hair or something, but Yeah. They I... haven't they haven't gone to town with age aging makeup or anything. No. So the doctor then says that Clara um, is not possible. So uh, I was going to note, uh, the date on the gravestone is interesting, Mm -hmm. um, because it's March 2005, Mm -hmm. which is, of course, the month in which uh, the events of Rose are set. Ah, right. So it's not made explicit, and I don't know if it was even intentional or just coincidence that they picked that month, but um, potentially um, Clara's mum died in in the uh, autumn attack on, on London. Ah, uh, that's quite quite a deep cut. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's there for you to adopt as headcanon if you so choose. But, uh, yeah. I wonder, like, whenever the Doctor goes back like that, does he ever mm. think about what he's doing at the time? Probably not. He seems to be someone who very much lives in the moment. Yeah, because he might accidentally cross his own timeline and mm. go mad. Mm. Stranger things have happened. Mm. So then we get the titles, and back in sort of modern time, it's the morning after the last episode. So last episode, Clara says to the Doctor, come back tomorrow. Yeah. Here it is, and without a great deal of coercion, Clara boards the TARDIS. Yeah. And the Doctor sort of explains to her what it can do, and what he's all about, and she says she wants to see something awesome. Yeah, yeah. I quite like this moment because we, we, we have it quite a lot, you know, they're like, oh, where do you want to go? Future or past or whatever. And usually the companions have an answer. Mm. And I like that Clara is sort of put on the back foot for a moment and, like, her mind just sort of goes blank. Mm. I feel like that's quite a relatable thing. <laughs> like, because what would you do if someone just said, okay, anywhere in time or space? It's too broad a question, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to narrow it down a little bit. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I'm trying to think where I would go. I'd maybe go meet Jesus. Any particular reason why? You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I've met Hitler and Churchill. (laughs) You meet Jesus. That's pretty big. I mean, it certainly is. But do you think he'd be disappointing in real life? I think he'd just be a little bit... Just be a bit of a prick, you know? I don't know, like... Well, no, that's not his remit at all, David, if you know anything about our Lord and Saviour. I don't know, he was, he was a bit full of himself. What, when he goes to markets and throws the tables everywhere? Yeah. Nah. He's, he, he, look, I'm not saying he was a bad bloke overall, I'm just saying he could be a little bit sanctimonious. Okay, so... We'll be cutting this out of this week's episode. <laughs> you know, pe- people don't know, like, the horrible thing you said last season that we had to cut out. And I, and I stand by that, like, I've got that... <laughs> In my arsenal to hold over you. And now we're going to have to hang up... Like, we're going to have to edit out the fact that you think Jesus wasn't all that and was a bit of a prick. I mean, I know, I'm, I'm honest, I stand by that. All right, if, well... If anyone's got any issues with that, talk, you know... Yeah, well, I'll, I'll drop you off 30 years later. You go to the crucifixion. You could be the one that puts the spear in his side. <laughs> you know? 
Come home with your souvenir 20 pieces of silver. <laughs> Anywho. Meanwhile, um, I'll be in the stable with little baby Jesus, one of the three wise men. It'll be me, <laughs> Matt Smith, and Wilf. <laughs> if you look closely at any nativity from now on, it'll be us three. Anyway, whoa, that, yes. that went a bit off, didn't it? Right. It did indeed. So, the Doctor takes her to see an alien sun. Mm-hmm. And they stood on a tiny asteroid in the ring of Akaten. Mm-hmm. So, we, we, we get the, the name drop. We know why this episode is so called. And on one of the other asteroids, it's like a pyramid with mm-hmm. light on the top. And the Doctor explains it's a holy site. And it's believed that that's where all life in the universe began. So... They go to investigate, go have a little look around. And then I've just put, when they look around, it's a market, it is mental. Yes. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I love an alien market. Yeah, it reminded me of, there's a scene in Hellboy 2, where mm-hmm. they go to a market and it's full of all weird monsters. It reminded yeah. me a lot of that. You get you get elements of that, elements of like... Um... Oh, why am I blanking on it? In Star Wars, the uh, the port town there. Oh, yeah, Moss Eisley. Moss Eisley, yeah. And um, actually, it's not it's not a perfect film. There is a se- there is a sequence in uh, Valerian, mm-hmm. which is very much you know cut from this cloth. Which again, I really love. I don't love everything about that movie, but there's some great set pieces in there. That being one of them. Um, yeah, I just love an alien market. I love a, just a bunch of weird aliens and a bunch of weird stuff yeah. all mingling around. And, uh, yeah, we get some good good uh, aliens here. There's, I'm pretty sure there's some half going around the place mm-hmm. from uh, what's the, the Doctor's daughter. Do you remember yes. them? The fish people? Yep. I'm pretty sure there's a couple of those. Um, there's also a hulavu. Which the Doctor points out. See, I thought that is... was a made-up, silly word. But you're going to tell me it it's is. like a, a classic alien, is it? Well, it is a made-up, silly word. It's a made-up, silly word from a different science fiction property. Oh, namely, right. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, God, not that again. <laughs> there, you will find that there is... A, the, especially the sort of Doctor Who fans who end up writing for Doctor Who... You'd be hard pressed to find any of them that aren't also Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fans. Great. <laughs> it's just a lot of crossover between those fandoms. Arseholes. Absolute <laughs> arseholes. So the Doctor says he's been here before and not just alone. He's been here yeah. with his granddaughter. Yeah. So Probably a little shout out to Susan there. Yeah. I don't know, like, at the time, there would have been, like, new fans that haven't seen the classic, like, yeah. So, were people surprised by any of these mentions? Or? Well, he's mentioned that he's a father before, mm. you know, and things like that. Those kind of things that that. So, I, I I like those kinds of moments because I feel like that's just the right amount of nodding back to the classic series for an average episode, mm-hmm. where it's not like laying it on to the point that if you haven't seen it, you're not going to understand. It just it might just come across as a new revelation to you and just add a little bit of mystery to the character. It's like, oh, I didn't know he had a granddaughter. And then maybe you do it poking around and all of a sudden you're watching an unearthly child, Mm -hmm. um, which isn't a bad thing. So, yeah, I like it. 
So, whilst there, it turns out they've landed at the exact moment there's going to be the Festival of Offerings. Mm. So that's when the line, the rings align. Mm-hmm. And then I've just put everyone back to like a dog. Well, specifically, it's the uh, the moped rental yeah, uh, but person. Like, I think that's just a joke that didn't land with me. It's, yeah, it's it's an odd one, that one, I think. It's like, it's trying to be... I don't... Yeah, it's hard to put your finger on it. Like, on paper, I can see how it would be like, oh, this will be fun. But then when it's actually there on screen, it just comes across as a bit sort of, like, aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I just weird. feel that, like, yeah. Matt Smith's better than that. He deserves better. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, so... Turns out that currency here is sentimental value. So the more you yes. love and care for something, the more it's worth. Yeah. So and this David, kind of what, really... what in your house would have the most value? You're not allowed to say your child. <laughs> or partner. <laughs> or dog. So no living things. Yeah. Um, oh. Okay. Um. Maybe something from my performance art days, because I don't really do that anymore. Because I'm, I, you know, now I'm living in quite a rural area and there isn't much call for it around here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got a very battered old plastic lobster that I used in a lot of performances. Okay. But it's still sat in a cupboard. I, and I, I have feel a like lot that of asks more questions than it answers. I'm sure it does. <laughs> what if I told you the name of the lobster is Sir Alan Sugar? Oh, I like that. Like yeah, never mind the fact that that uh, I mean, obviously Alan Trigger himself is now a lord, but um, the, the lobster has never uh, not been upgraded. That yet. No, he's still Sir Alan Trigger. Mm. What about you? Probably the toaster. <laughs> okay, I think we'll leave that there, shall we? Yeah, made some good bagels on that bad boy. Hmm. I don't know, like, it's got sentimental value, but I hate it. Um, mm. When I got married, one of my wife's relative side of the family uh, that I don't know too well, yeah. ra- rather than give us money that we asked for, not to sound ungrateful, <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we just basically said, you know, we live together, we've got everything, we're not writing yeah. a wedding list, give us some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... My wife's relative bought us a massive framed picture of a horse. And in fact, you'll have seen it. It's hanging in my living yes. room. And, yeah. and the horse has a facial expression like it's not entirely comfortable having its photo uh-huh. taken. And yeah. I, I'm not a fan of that picture. But like, it's got like a sweet association with it. that mm. We got it at my wedding and I hate it. Yeah, I feel like... You've got to know someone really well to buy them all up. Yeah. Because that is a big thing you're asking of that person. It's like buying someone a book as a present. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like It's a commitment, it on, isn't it? It is. You're, you're asking a lot of that person to actually get enjoyment out of that. You're like saying, here you go. You'll enjoy looking at this every day for the rest of your life. Whereas, like, in the room where I record, up in my attic, yeah. I do have some wall art. I've got a nice screen print of the Green Lantern that oh, uh, nice. one of my best men bought me for my wedding. Well, he mm. got I think he got me it for Christmas. It was around the same time. Yeah. And 
uh, I prefer that infinitely to the picture of a horse. Yeah. It's not. I mean, my my wife is an avid horse rider. It's not even a picture of her horse. <laughs> it's just a horse. Yeah. You know, that's like me yeah. saying to you, oh, David, um, I've bought you this Doctor Who art. It's a picture of Matt Smith, and it's just another man. Like, if I just <laughs> gave you a picture, signed picture of my dad. <laughs> and you have to Not put it up on the wall. Not even wearing a bow tie. No. I, I, <laughs> in all the years I've known my dad, I don't think I've ever seen him wear a bow tie. Yeah. Uh, I mean... It, there's just not much call for it these days, is there? I, I looked for one the other day. I, mm. I I went shopping with the intention of getting one. Um, because obviously working in a school, we're reaching the end of the school year. We had yeah. to record like farewell videos for the right. students because we're not allowed a prom or a farewell assembly. Um, yeah. And I'm one of the members of staff who's basically like comparing the event. Right. So hosting it. So... Uh, Wore a suit and a nice uh, tie and everything. And I just mm-hmm. thought, it'd be quite nice. It'd be like... Because then I could have taken a picture and sent it to you if I had braces and a bow tie on. <laughs> and I managed to find some braces, but it's a combo. No isn't on it? the bow tie. Yeah. Hey-ho. Right. So, as we, oh, we're really going off... You we can tell I haven't, been, place, I haven't left we? the house Let's... much this week. I'm desperate for conversation. <laughs> 45 minutes in, we're not even halfway through my first page of notes. I know, let's just rattle through this, shall we? So the Doctor loses Clara, Clara walks away, but she runs into a little girl. And it Mm -hmm. turns out she is the Queen of Years. Yes. Um, And there are men looking for her, but Clara sort of throws them off the scent. Yeah, they are the most generic sort of sci-fi guard type like they just they've got like full face masks on and they're just it's just a super bland costume design isn't it mm. so like, they're sort of vaguely militaristic yeah so clara finds the queen of years who's hiding mm-hmm. and yeah. it turns out there's also weird monster men looking for her yes and they refer to her as mary because we later find out that's her name. What do you think of the design of the Monster Men? I think that's what I was referring to, wasn't it? Or Uh, or there too? So at at first, it's like the priest men in red robes. Oh, yes, in robes, yeah. No, I was talking about the Monster Men, yeah. Yeah. They've basically just got big white heads and big black eyes, haven't they? Yeah, pretty much. Um, But I'll tell you what I do like about this scene. Um, I think this is the scene where we learn the most about Clara. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, it, you know, it's something we've already seen in, obviously, the, the different version of the Victorian Clara being a nanny, then this version looking after children because she felt sympathy for them. And we, and also, kind of knowing now that her mother died, yeah. I think it does kind of deepen, obviously, our understanding of why she felt the need to stay with that family and look after those children. But obviously, just like, this is a side of her. This is an important part of her life. Like connecting with children is something that comes quite naturally to her. Yeah. And she tells the the girl quite a nice story about a time she got lost on Blackpool Beach, and you know, her mum came to find her, and you know. Um, so I think it, it. This is really the part of the episode that helps to deepen our understanding of Clara. Mm-hmm. 
And we find out that Merry has to sing a special song. Yes. To God. Yeah. yeah. Um, As you do. Because she's like some... I feel really sorry for her because she's like, you know, chosen at birth that this will be her duty in life. And that's no fun, is it? And she's chosen to know know everything about the history of this society and all their rituals and routines. And then I've just put in my notes here, uh, where's the doctor? Clara's been gone a long time. And then immediately after I've just put, oh, he just turns up eating a fruit. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, if... Hypothetically, if we went to an alien planet together and were separated, I'd, yes. I'd be losing my mind. <laughs> I think he's done this enough times that uh, he's not overly concerned. Also, it seems like Clara dying isn't necessarily going to stop her. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is true. Um, so, yeah, he just turns up. So the Doctor and Clara... Decide they're going to go to the ceremony where, is she called Mary Galel? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Is singing. Uh, Yes. So Mary is losing her confidence, is worried she's going to get it wrong, but she turns Mm -hmm. around, sees Clara there, who gives her a big old thumbs up of support. Yeah. And Mary's able then to sing. Yeah. So she's singing to a mummy in a temple. Yes who we believe... They call him Grandfather, don't they? They do, and yes. we believe yeah. that's the old god. Uh, yeah. So everyone watching this ceremony offers gifts to the old god. Mm-hmm. Everything they all that's start got singing. sentimental value. It's all very lovely and solemn and... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then as Mary is singing, she's singing it with this man who sings wrong. Yes. Um... And as a result, Mary gets zapped. And, yep. And then she's getting drawn towards... Because the actual temple's on, like, another asteroid to the one they're on, isn't it? Yes, it so is. So she's yeah. been drawn through space. So the Doctor says, I've got a plan, but I need currency. So mm-hmm. they need something sentimental. And the I quite like the line at this point where... The Clara is saying, you know, that girl's in danger, blah, 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 blah. And the doctor says, look, one thing you need to know about me is we don't walk away. Yeah. So even though they're leaving the issue, he's always thinking about how he's going to save people. Yeah. Um, and it's true. It kind of it's one of the things that very, I think very neatly summarizes the doctor's MO across every regeneration. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't walk away. So. In order to get a jet bike flying machine, mm-hmm. um, they give Clara's mum's ring because it's got such sentimental value. Yeah. So they're bombing it through the air now, chasing after Mary, but they can't quite catch her. Yeah. Uh, Just about pull off this special effect. It, it looks a bit green screeny, doesn't it? It does. Let's but, be honest. You but... know, what is it, seven years old? Yeah. We can probably forgive yeah. it. And to be honest, I think overall, this is a, quite a visually rich episode. I love all the practical costume design and, uh, you know, with the aliens and things like that. I love that, yeah, it, 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 a lot of money and time and effort has been spent into making that that setting really come to life. Mm. So, yeah, I'll forgive a bit of dodgy green screen on a space moped. So, Mary sees the mummy. Yeah. And this is the first time we see it. 
It, it's not the worst costume in the world, is it? Yeah, just a bit generic, old, crinkly corpse, isn't it? It's got a big, tall head, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, the Doctor is trapped outside the temple, and he's trying to use the sonic screwdriver to get his way in. And I quite yeah. like the bit here where he does open the door, and he's holding it open, yeah. and whilst Clara and Mary are having a discussion, the Doctor <laughs> yeah. just keeps interjecting, just going, you do know this door's really heavy? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just going, it's incomprehensibly heavy, like... Please hurry yeah. up. You know, yeah, that did make me chuckle really, a little bit. He's Yeah, it's a, he plays that moment really well. Yeah. Okay. So, Mary gets quite mad at Clara at this bit, because obviously Mary's failed her one purpose in life. Uh-huh. And I, I thought we were going to have a little twist here where Mary becomes the bad guy. Yeah. But no, she's no. just angry. Yeah, just a um, little girl. So, the man from earlier that was singing with Mary... Tries to keep the old god asleep. Yeah, he's been just sort of chuntering away the whole time, but yeah. to no avail. And eventually, like, the doctor sort of says to him, look, he's waking up. Yeah. So, so he stops singing, and he immediately disappears. Yeah. Now, I couldn't tell whether he teleported away to safety, or whether the old god had done something to get pretty, him. Pretty, pretty sure he teleports, doesn't he? Yeah. So... The old god wakes up. Yeah. But it's all a ploy. It's not the old god. No. It's a vampire? Yeah. <laughs> like, this gets it's, brushed this over is, quite a lot. This is, it's yeah, a, this, this is where it gets a bit fuzzy. So it's this, a vampire that yeah. has woken up in time to feed on a pure soul. Yeah. And once they've discussed that... It doesn't really matter for the rest of the episode, that plot point. No, no. It, th- this bit is all just kind of... This is basically our running about segment, isn't it? Just to get us to the end game for the episode. And it's th- th- this is where I have my biggest criticism of this story because all this sort of farcing about in the temple is ultimately kind of pointless. Yeah. Well, I, I wondered whether it, we were going to get a bit like... Uh... Is it the impossible planet where we think it's the devil, but it's just a big monster? I yeah. thought we were going to get, oh, it's a god, but it's just a vampire. Mm. But, but that's not quite what happens. No. So the doc- it's, ba- it's essentially, it's just like the guard, isn't it, for the actual yeah. so, old god? Well, they refer to it as like the alarm clock, don't they? That yes. when he wakes yeah. up, then uh, the old god will wake up. Yeah. So Mary's really distressed and says that the world's going to end and she wants to sacrifice herself because she's failed. Uh-huh. And the Doctor explains that he can save her and the world won't end. Yeah. Okay? But it turns out if the Queen of Years is unwilling to be eaten, then the Vigil feed her to the vampire. Now, the Vigil are those people from earlier with the weird alien mask. Yes. Yeah, because ba- basically she she thought she'd done it. She'd- made a mistake with her singing. But what they said it actually is the case is she was just always intended to be a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and, and that's, and, and that's why she's stuffed through, stuffed oh. with all of the old songs and stories and, and things like that. Again, I thought it was going to be a bit like gridlock, you know, where everyone's on the yeah. freeway and the big secret is they're never going to leave the freeway, except yeah. they do at the end. I thought we were going to get something like that, 
where, you know, we get this big revelation that she was always intended to be fed. But again, it doesn't really go anywhere. Well, just once they've made that revelation, it's just like, okay, right, well, that's not going to happen on the Doctor's watch. So he tasks Clara with whisking her away so Mm. he can deal with the bigger problem. Yeah. Of how to say to God that's no longer going to get its uh, scheduled sacrifice. So, uh, where are we? So the Doctor uses the sonic screwdriver to help release her, because she's sort of gets trapped in, like, just energy, doesn't she? Yeah. And it turns out that Mary knows a secret song that will open a secret door, because she knows everything. Yeah, that's handy. So she starts chanting, and they escape as the old god breaks free. Yeah. Except it turns out the vampire, as we've said, wasn't the old god, he was just there as like the gatekeeper to the old god, and the yeah. old god itself is the alien star that the rings of Akateng spiral yeah. round. So Akateng itself yeah. is the old god. Yeah. So we've had sentient sons on this program before. Hmm. Not one with a big angry face, though. No, that's new. Yeah. Do you, we'll, we'll maybe talk about that in, in more detail in a little bit, but okay. So, we get a conversation where the Doctor says he's going to go fight the sun and tells yeah. Clara to protect Mary. Yeah. Uh, as I've said, the sun has a face on it and Mary yeah. starts singing again. Yeah. And not just Mary, everyone joins in and sings too. Yeah, so, so Mary's been taken back safely to the, to the other sort of planetoid where, where the ceremony was taking place. And the Doctor sort of prepares to go and fight an alien sun god thing. With no plan. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the last thing we see of him before he, he, he strolls off to do that is he just does the sort of, like, little straightening of the bow tie. Mm. I don't know if you've noticed, that's really becoming a bit of a, a thing with this with Matt Smith's Doctor. Like, sort of straightening his bow tie is almost like, you know... It's just time to do business, isn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly. Um... So it's a nice little touch. Yeah. So this is it. This is 35 minutes and 33 seconds. This is when yes. the episode gets good. So yeah. I did enjoy the bit where everyone sings together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. I don't know if yeah. you're familiar with Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z. I have never watched it. Well, basically, the ultimate finishing move that the hero Goku uses is called the Spirit Bomb. Right. Because uh, you can sort of shoot energy at people in that universe. And he right. uses it where everyone on a planet becomes willing to lend part of their energy to him. Right. So he essentially just throws a big ball of the world's energy. And it reminded uh-huh. me a bit of that, in that Mary is trying her hardest, but everyone else lends their support Yes. to help yeah. her. Yeah. It is, it's a nice moment. It's... Um... You know, it, it's it's communal, and also the fact that it's it's all of these different species. Because I don't did we mention on the fact that like the legend around this place, and the Doctor sort of says, "Well, it's a nice story," but the, the legend is that this is this place, this solar system is like the origin of all life in the universe. Mm-hmm. So, like, it has this really eclectic, diverse range of different species, uh, all sort of circling this sun. But anyway, yes, so. That's going on, and the Doctor sort of strolls up to have a little chat. And 
I do think one of the things that makes this scene so iconic is just that visual of the Doctor silhouetted against this. Yeah. Sort see, of a- again, it, remind, it reminded me of the Impossible Planet where we see the Doctor yeah. face to face with this huge demon. Yeah. But I, I just... The, 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 the visual of it, the way he's silhouetted, and you, you sort of get this perfect look at the physicality of Matt Smith's performance as a doctor, which I, I don't think gets talked about enough. The way he sort of... He tends to be a little bit hunched and a little bit sort of... A bit like a sort of dangly scarecrow, kind of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He... Uh, and I think that that physicality is really interesting. The way he plays that character, it's what I think gives him that sense of age and world weariness, and that counterbalances his more youthful, energetic moments. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, we are going full age and weariness. He's you know that's what he's playing on mm-hmm. and drawing on. So. We find out, I can't remember if this is alluded to earlier, that Akaten feeds on the memories. When we talk about yes. that sentimental value, yeah. it imbues the item with the memories, and yes. that's what gives them their worth. Well, because Mary was talking about how it feeds on souls, and, and the Doctor says, well, what, what is a soul? Mm-hmm. It is a collection of memories. You know, that's basically his definition of, of that. Um so obviously the doctor has more memory than every other person circling this planet put together mm-hmm. you know so yeah he says that akaten should take all his stories mm. all his memories yeah and it seems to be too much for akaten it overloads yeah. him yeah and, and that's a proper little monologue and a and a really you know it goes without saying, a powerful performance by Matt Smith. And and this has actually become such an iconic speech for the Doctor that some people have either done something that, personally, I'm not a big fan of because I think it's rather an unfair thing to do to actors um, where, on, on like, f- fan convention panels, people will sometimes sort of hand them a printout of that, that speech and ask them because they kind of want to hear... Well, what would the how would the sixth doctor, okay. or, or the or the or the eighth doctor deliver this particular speech? Because it's it's something could that you could imagine coming out of the mouth of any incarnation of the doctor, really. Yeah. Um. And there are videos on YouTube where you, where you can see that, and and to be fair, they're generally very game, and and, and it's a nice you know <laughs> to. For what is essentially just a cold reading and something that they're just doing as a favour to fans, it's it's lovely that they that they're magnanimous about it. I I would say people can stop doing it now. Mm. <laughs> like it's and, and it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shitty thing to do. I think. Yeah. But I understand why people want to do it, and and you know, but yeah, I do, and I'm only mentioning this just because I I really do want to acknowledge what an iconic moment this moment has become for so many fans, especially younger fans of this show. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, the, he's, he's, he's tr- basically trying to overload this, this old sun God thing. Yeah. Now, yeah. when he's doing that, yeah. I've just added, did the singing actually do anything? 
Probably not. <laughs> Sounds nice, though. It adds, it adds to the drama. <laughs> In-universe, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, we haven't talked about then, so let's talk about the face. How do you feel about the face on that sun? A little bit goofy. Um, but at the same time, yeah. I'm glad it's not... It's not, like, black and white defined, is it? It's just no. got, like, lighter and dark areas in the shape yeah. of a sun. I think, I think the de- they did the best they could, and you do need something. Yeah. You can't have it just being just just a ball of fire. Mm. But by the same token, the end result does look a little bit like a Halloween pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and once you have that thought, it's very hard to unthink that thought in the moment. Or at least it is for me. Maybe they should have had it just be a big transformer. Like Unicron. <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been brilliant if it was just a giant robot inside yeah. the sun. Um, uh, anyway. So, yeah, Akaten reappears because it starts to overwhelm the Doctor. It absorbs all that he, the Doctor gives. But then Clara sort of remembers, you know, we don't walk away. So she bombs across on the little bike to come help the Doctor. Yeah. And she brings the leaf. Yeah. She calls it the most important leaf in human history. I think, yep. you know, I think that's debatable. I think she's giving herself a bit much credit there. I think it's what it's what her parents always used to refer to it as. So. Okay. And it certainly is. And certainly, you know, as, as was established in that opening scene, it is a... It is a... An enormous amount of coincidental things that need to happen in order for those two people to meet. Yeah, when they did. we didn't mention that, that, but her dad no, says, but that's you kind know, of, I yeah. had to be on this street and it had to be yes. that windy for that yeah. leaf to hit yeah. me in the face and blah, 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 blah. Which uh, is a nice, it's a nice thought. And it does make you realise, you know, how, with any relationship in life, how much random happenstance is involved in people coming together mm. you know because yeah. uh, i mean for example we, we would never have met and known each other were it not for the fact that a friend of my partner and i uh, had decided to move into a, a, to a particular town in north yorkshire um where we now reside because we were living in plymouth at the time mm-hmm. completely different part of the country uh struggling to make ends meet and um a friend of ours decided that she was going to buy a house in a, in North Yorkshire and was looking for lodgers. And so we were just like, well, we're, we're barely scraping by here. Let's roll the dice and <laughs> move to North Yorkshire and, and lodge with her. And, and so I didn't know anyone moving here other than, than that one friend. And um, so... That was a decision that, like, to move to that particular part of the country, if she'd chosen Cumbria, yeah, or Lancashire, or 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 or, or something, then I would have never have had to there. watch Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, you could have lived your whole <laughs> life blissfully ignorant of mm. uh, of Doctor Who. Uh, but but yeah, so it, it, it's an int- it's an interesting thing to think about, mm. and. So what what this leaf embodies is interesting because the way the Doctor frames it, it's not memory, it's potential. Um, because he talks about, obviously also the, the fact that 
Clara's mother died too young, basically. Yeah. And so it's all of those, all of that potential, all of those infinite possibilities of what could have been. It's almost akin to what, I, th- I at least in my head, it's akin to what the angels feed on. Yes, yeah. Because they, they, they feed on the potential energy of a life that has suddenly been removed from its timeline. Exactly. So, um, yeah. I think it makes more emotive sense than it does logical <laughs> Hence, yeah. if that makes sense. But that's about par for the course for Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a, is a is a is a science fiction show that that operates more in the realms of emotional logic than it does hard science. Yeah, we say. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, it's quite it's quite an effective affecting moment, I think. Yeah. So Clara offers all the days that never came. Yeah. Like infinite memories. Yeah. And it causes Akerton. I don't know. I've put he explodes, but that would end like all life on the rings it looks around. Like he, I mean, he look. It looks like he implodes, but it, yeah. it totally looks like suddenly you've got a solar system with no sun at yeah. its center. Which but, so yeah, Clara's responsible yeah. for the death of billions. <laughs> yeah, as I say, emotional sense rather than logical sense. Yeah, is that why everyone hates Clara? Because she's a murderer. <laughs> Mass genocide around Akita. Uh, well, they should hate the Doctor on that score. So, the Doctor takes Clara home. Yeah. And she sees in the TARDIS on his screen that he's been watching her. Yeah. Like, going to various points in her life to check on her. Yeah. And he sort of gives half an explanation what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He just goes, oh, I just think you're very intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty creepy. But, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And before they part, he gives her her mother's ring back. So everyone yes. that survived the incident at Akaten they, now sees yeah. Clara as a saviour. And yeah. they wanted her to have her ring back. Yeah, so that's nice. They won't be saying that in a few years when all their crops are dead and they've got no food because yeah. there's no sun. <laughs> But yeah, well, presumably, just all of those planetoids are just going to crash in on each other and, and, and yeah, and explode. But anyway, uh, yes, but it's not. I don't think it's fair to call it a bad episode. Some people, some people really rail against this episode as being like one of the worst of New Who or some kind of like mm. standard bearer for awfulness, and then other people will talk about it as though it is one of the pinnacles. Of the series, but I—I'd put it in the I'm middle. Just, I just feel exactly. I it's feel just, it's one of those episodes that we're just not really going to talk about again. No, you I know, it—it it doesn't stand out for being great. It doesn't stand out no. for being poor. It's just middle of the road. Let's see uh, what's I next think, week. I think. I think all it, all it comes down to at the end of the day is how much does that that monologue from the Doctor? How much does that get to you? Mm. Because for some people, it's everything. For me, I'm just like it's. It's. I think it's well performed, and you know, on a good day, I might I might sort of make my hair the hairs on my arms stand up a bit. But it's not. 
it's not one of those pivotal moments for me in the way that it is for some people. So no. yeah, it's it's a it's a it's it's middle of the pack for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, uh, I'm interested to see where 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 we go from now. What what you think of next week's episode uh, when we will be discussing Cold War? Okay. So that's either going to be about the Cold War or it's going to be on some weird ice planet where there's two aliens mm. having a fight. If you had to, if you had to put money on one or the other, which would it be? I'm going to say the actual Cold War because usually when we start a series, you get normal, then future, then past. Mm. So it's probably going to be in the past. I'm going to go Cold War. All right. Okay. Maybe well, it, maybe uh... it'll just be a fight at the North Pole. <laughs> That'd be fun, wouldn't it? And it turns out that like polar bears were the indigenous species of Earth, and humans have <laughs> taken over. If if they do if they're doing North Pole, do you think we'll get Santa? Will it turn out like Santa's a Time Lord? Could you could you? If it was a Christmas <laughs> special, I'd say yes. <laughs> But, I don't know, it's going to turn out that like the North Pole's a giant iceberg that's an alien spaceship. <laughs> yeah. That, that's not a bad one to us. That's, that's, the more you watch this, the more I'm like, you know what, you could probably write for Doctor Who if yeah. you didn't hate it so you, much. You could just give me like any item, and I'd just go, yeah, it's, it's either an alien or an alien spaceship. <laughs> that's pretty much yeah, what I want for Doctor Who, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty then, well, uh, join us next week when we will be discussing Cold War. Until then, thank you very much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com, and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.